going on, everyone, and welcome back to Ride in the Pine. Jack Ridenauer here, and it's going to be another jam-packed episode today. Before I get into what's going on today, a little recap of the last show, and it was a really good one. I discussed what's going to be happening this summer with practice, and specifically practice for collegiate sports, as a lot of collegiate sports have already started to come back to campus and start practicing. So it'll be interesting to see how that all unfolds this summer, especially with all of the new health guidelines that they're going to have to go through. I then got into a very, very special topic of mine, which is cities where sports could appear next. So which cities could have sports and which sports those will be. It was a really good one as I discussed why certain sports would be better in certain cities than others and so on and so forth. It was a great segment. And then I finished it off with an awesome interview. Very special guest, Dustin Sleva, current international pro basketball player in France. He had a very interesting story and he also shared some very, very interesting background information about him with what he's been doing during the quarantine. Go check that episode out. It's all out now. Episodes one through 21, all incredible, incredible listens. So go check them out today. Going to be a really good one. As I sit down with coach Eric Alexander, current strength and conditioning coach and co-owner of sports performance for pinnacle athletics. He's got a great story. He shares a lot of interesting things about himself. And we also discussed some things that have been going on in the sports world specifically. So it's going to be a great one, folks. If I were you, I would as always sit back, relax and enjoy the show. And I'm here with strength and conditioning coach Eric Alexander, current co-owner and director of Sports Performance of Pinnacle Athletics. Coach, first off, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Anytime. I'm glad you could uh, sit down and answer a couple of my questions. Before I get into it, I always like to ask my guests what they've been up to during this quarantine since we're all kind of slowly getting out of it. But for you, I'm sure it's been very different since there's been no gyms open and no access to any sort of weight facility. So I'm sure it's been very quiet for you and your athletes to work out and, and really try and get any work in. What were some alternatives and other measures you used to get in contact with your athletes to make sure that they have some sort of workouts to do while they've been stuck inside? Yeah, it's been very, very tough. Uh, March 1, we had to close down completely, so uh, our athletes have been doing what they can do at home. And uh, I guess the good thing is about what we do or how we do it is we teach the athletes not only just about working out but what their body needs and the whole stretching bit. So a lot of them, the ones who were working out at home, uh, we didn't have to contact much because they kind of, well, they had a feel for what we would be doing anyway. So you may get a call here and there, but most of, mostly there was no question. Well, that's always a great sign of, of athletes that are always trying to take that initiative and try and make themselves better each and every day. Now, before I get into more and more about your strength and conditioning, I want to get into kind of how you started and how you got into strength and conditioning. How did you kind of become a strength and conditioning coach? What motivated you? What pushed you into that direction to be in the strength and conditioning aspect of sports? Well, um, after I finished playing, I went back worked engineering for two and a half years and engineering definitely wasn't my forte uh, staying in the office so my college coach asked me to come back and uh, be an assistant coach so as I was a coach um, I went back took a $30,000 pay cut 
And then I went back and coached, and we didn't have a, I was at a small school, so we didn't have a strength and conditioning coach. So I took on that, that, that job and started working with our baseball players. And it just kind of grew from that. Well, I mean, that's uh, that's a very interesting way that you started out, especially with being in a different field initially after your playing career, which we will get into later on. Now, early on, was there anybody that you looked up to, whether it was a coach or a trainer or somebody that was already in that field that you tried to model yourself after as a coach? Uh, in training, no, because uh, I'm dating myself, but I'm a lot older. But strength and conditioning and exercise science really wasn't uh, a big avenue back then so but I did have a lot of coaches in my life that I grew up with in high school and in college that kind of just warned me because I think a good strength coach is not just a strength coach he's a coach coach so dealing with personalities ups downs all the above that's a great way of looking at it, actually. I, I like coaches that try and go a little bit more into what they're normally doing be, beyond being just a strength coach, like you said, being an actual coach coach. Now, you're currently the co-owner and director of sports performance of Pinnacle Athletics located in Georgia. What is the story behind how you became the co-owner of Pinnacle? Was this something that you've always wanted to do, owning a training outfit, or was that something that kind of became a desire of yours once you started your journey in strength and conditioning? I thought it would be a head baseball coach but and, and while doing strength conditioning, but uh, out of coaching just because at some point I wanted to have a family. So uh, I went from there to doing baseball instruction, which to me was really monotonous. Uh, so having done that, uh, the strength and conditioning before, I decided, look, why don't I start my own gym? So I started working at a gym just to get my finances. And uh, then in 2003, I initially started Pinnacle Athletics on my own. Um, trying to see, uh, 2003, and it went through 2008. It was just myself, but um, ran into the economic turn in 2008. So I ended up closing down. So... Uh, I just thought it was a thing of the past, and then 2010, people started calling me back to train again, and so then I went from there to a friend of mine, he said, look, we're opening this place in STA, I worked there before, so he said, we're going to need a strength conditioning guy, so he brought me in to do that, and I worked for someone else for six years, and then after the six years, um, uh, one of the players that I trained, he, he was a first-rounder for the Texas Rangers. His name is Zach Cone. Um, he, we joked for about two years about uh, starting a gym. So uh, three or four years later, uh, he and I started our uh, Pinnacle Athletics up again. So that was just something I always, after having been a strength coach in college for baseball, it was something I wanted to do again. So. 
Well, that's quite an interesting story, especially with Pinnacle closing down and then reopening. I mean, that's I don't think you hear that a whole lot. That's very, very interesting. Um, and I'm, I'm very glad that it was able to come back around. And you're able to pick back up really where you left off. Now, throughout your career, you've had a very strong philosophy on how you get your athletes ready to play at the highest level possible. What specifically is your philosophy when it comes to training your athletes? Regardless of the sport, we're what we our system is set up to make an athlete as uh, athletic as possible. Meaning, movement is the key, the key thing there. So there's a component of moving your, not to bore you, but the uh, the T spine, the hips, and the ankles are all like the engines of movement. So we want them moving separately. So being able to move. Fluidly and efficiently is the most important thing for us initially. And then we add on the strength and condition. We found that through our, our movement, our athletes get stronger quicker, if that makes sense. And then they become more powerful in their sport. And then as we get into the training aspect of strengthening and doing things, now we make it a little more specific to the sport. That's very fascinating because I've had coaches in the past, strength coaches, tell me, you know, it's all about the movement. It's all about the, the mobility aspect of it. And once you can get that down mixed in with good balance, then you can kind of build off of that. So I've, I've heard that many times before, back when I played a long time ago. Um, but for you, when you're preparing one of these workouts for an athlete, what kind of prep work goes into the formulating of a workout plan? Are there certain aspects of the athlete that you have to take into consideration before writing the plan, such as strength or speed that they have already coming into it? Well, again, it always goes back to the movement first. We do an evaluation. Um, we do an evaluation first. You got a possible 62 points. And we put you through every plane of movement. And after we do that screening, now we have an idea of what's going on with the athlete and where we need to to uh, go first. And there's always deficiencies or asymmetries in movement that we have to address, and we do that first and foremost. And after we get that taken care of, then we can get into the general aspect if you're a baseball player, football player, then we get into that. But the fluid movements are, are number one to us, and uh, so that's kind of what we, what we do. Now, is there a sport that you enjoy training the most with? Are there certain sports that you would rather write up workout plans for as opposed to others, or are you kind of unbiased? It doesn't matter to you. It, it doesn't matter. Uh, baseball comes easy to me because I've played the sport and coached the sport, but it's always great to have a challenge, right? Um, when we have, like now, we're getting more volleyball. I've coached volleyball players. So you have to understand how they move. You have to understand their needs, uh, I'd say that because if you look at a sport as a whole, uh, which is what we do ahead of time, is look at the sport as a whole, uh, baseball is a power sport. It's not an endurance, it's a power sport. Uh, football is a power, strength, and endurance. So we look at it at that aspect and see what we need to give the athlete. So for me, whenever we get someone different, soccer player or lacrosse or I've even had a, a, uh, a paraplegic fencer who, went, who was in the Paralympics. That was a challenge. I like the challenges, but I, I don't have any bias. I, I enjoy all of it, but it's always good to get a challenge. 
I couldn't agree with you more. I love that philosophy. It's always good to have a challenge. There's nothing that's enjoyable, I feel, that's just super easy to do. You always want to have that challenge because once you complete it, like when you write up these workouts and they're successful workouts, you, you know, it's kind of like, wow, like I, I really was able to change an athlete's trajectory into how they were going to be as an athlete. Now, like we've been talking about your strength and conditioning career, you were a player beforehand, like you've mentioned, an athlete, a multi-sport athlete in high school at that, but you ultimately chose baseball as your passion. You would wind up playing in the minors actually for the Atlanta Braves what has been something or some things that you've carried over from your playing career into your training career that you still apply to today Uh, well to go back to high school uh, I I was really big I loved football but in my senior year the second game of my senior year I tore my ACL and back in 1981 82 no one brought kids in so, uh, for me, that, the drive that I had to have to uh, get back and get a baseball scholarship, they told me I would not play. This happened in September. I would not play until July the next year, they said. But I worked my butt off to really get on the field and be able to get a full scholarship. So, the thing that's really taken me through and that I pass on is, is the drive to never quit, never stop. Uh, don't let anybody dictate what you're doing, how you're going to do it. So that's kind of like the biggest thing for me. For me, I know it's a roundabout answer, but it has nothing to do with anything but the, the personal attitude. Now, do you feel as a former athlete, it is easier for you to come up with workouts? Obviously, probably for baseball and football, probably a little bit easier for you. But for other sports, do you find it also easy to come up with stuff? Or is it kind of, you know, just, again, like varying on the sport that you're writing up for? I think it comes easy. Once you you have a system in place, you know what you're trying to do. Uh, Again, we look at the athletes, see how they move, what their needs are, uh, horizontal force, vertical force. It comes pretty easy now that we have this system in place, and uh, it, it doesn't matter the sport we can look at. It, it, it makes it very easy to do. Well, easy for us because we know what we're looking for. Now, as a former baseball player, I'm sure you've seen a lot of what's going on in the news with the labor negotiations, with the MLB and the players. What is your take on what is going on between the players and the league? Do you feel that the players are asking for too too much, or do you think that the owners are being too difficult? What is kind of your stance on what's going on in the baseball world? Well, what people don't understand, and everyone looks at it, all these guys are getting paid for playing the game. Baseball is a shrewd business. So the ones performing are getting the short arm, uh, short end of the stick. So people don't really see that. They just see it as a game. But um, say, for instance, someone, you're a salesperson, and uh, you're not making the money that you think you're worth or they're shortening your commission, you're going to fight for that. So it's a job for them to do. So I'm having been a player, and I understand what they've gone through in minor leagues, getting paid less than probably $2 an hour. And once you make it and you know someone's making millions of dollars off television and, and contracts and various things, because I'm behind them 100%. Let them, let them get what's fair for them or for being a, a, a worker. So that's my take. 
I'm glad that you brought up the minor league aspect of it because there has been a lot of unfortunate cuts to teams, to players. And like you said, you put it in, in perspective very well. Some of these guys are making, like you said, $2 an hour and they're playing a, a, a game that's based off of failure. And so it makes it even harder for them to excel and try and, and go further into their career. Do you fear that the minor league system could continue to see more and more cuts as nearly a thousand players have, have lost jobs and lost roster spots and do you think that the minor leagues will eventually dwindle down even more uh, yes they already have uh, when I was coming up you, you know, there were you know you may have two or three A ball teams uh, then you may have two high A teams then you have double A and triple A well it's already dwindling down the numbers are so yes I, and, and with all the cuts being made thousands of people being cut the thing is, a lot of them were going to be cut up anyway, but that one athlete or 10 athletes that may have come back and had a great spring training and been kept, but they didn't get the opportunity to to show if they've gotten better over time, it sucks. But, yes, I do see it dwindling down more and more because money is the main culprit in this whole thing now. I've actually said that before that some of these guys that could have had great spring trainings will never know who they are or if they could have made it to the bigs, which, again, like you said, that's the unfortunate thing of it. Now, you have many clients that are minor league baseball players. Have any of them personally been affected by these league cuts? And if so, what is kind of like their next move in the baseball world? Well, we've had several. Uh, they're playing independent ball, which... I hate to see, you know, these young kids losing, you know, their dreams um, because of everything that's been going on. It's it's really, really unfortunate to see. Now, for you, though, you're like you said, you're a big football guy and you're a huge Notre Dame fan. And now with college football kind of in, in, in the balance with when they're going to start, at what time, you know, with the new uh, practice format that they're coming out with, that the NCAA came out with this for this summer. Do you think that college football will happen on time? I mean, what is your opinion on how college football will look like this year? Do you think that they'll possibly push it back to the springtime? Um, no. <laughs> yeah, money. Um, college football finances most universities nowadays. It's that big of a business. Uh, they make that much money, and they're going to do what they have to to uh, continue to bring that revenue in. So I think they will play this fall. Um, uh, there, there may be some stipulations, but I think they will play this fall. Any uh, preseason predictions or outlooks for the fight in Irish? hard to tell. We lost a lot of players last year. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm a fan regardless. Uh, 
I like what they stand for. That's why I'm a big Notre Dame fan. Uh, yeah, see them on television growing up. But uh, I like what they stand for. Academics are like a big to do there. And you see guys that are good athletes and great academics. I'm going to stand by them regardless. So I just, I, I just hold my breath every year. <laughs> I, I like that. I'm, I'm a big Wisconsin fan, and so there, there's many times when they're playing Penn State or Ohio State where I'm really holding my breath, and usually it, it doesn't go so well for Wisconsin in those games. So I, I totally see what you're saying, uh, you know, sticking with your team through and through. Now, Coach, something that has also been very apparent in the news today has been this continued support and need for equality in our country with all of the social injustice. The George Floyd protests and the continued forward progression of the Black Lives Matter movement have already shown to be the start of a massive change in our country and in our society and law that really needs to be addressed. Um, and in the sports world, there's also been a lot of talk of this movement. Many high-profile athletes have been outspoken about it, Kyrie Irving being one of them. With all the positive change that has come with this movement outside of sports, what kind of changes and improvements in racial equality can you see happening in sports because of this powerful movement? Um, it's a tough question uh, for me being uh, African-American male. Uh, it's, a, it's really a tough question. Uh, it has to be a system change. The athletes now, uh, maybe the Colin Kaepernick thing was a blessing in disguise, maybe, but and people will listen to these guys, these athletes, because they have the resources to really help financially and everything, but it all goes back to the system of the way things are. Uh, one of my, one of my uh, athletes that I train, I've been training since he's in high school, he's a good baseball player. And he, we talked last night on my way home from work. He, well, yesterday he asked me if he could call me and talk to me about this matter. They're trying to do something as an entire baseball team. Uh, so, which is kind of, it's really cool. Um, but I think it has to be a systematic change, and this is what I was telling him. Uh, the athletes, as, and I hope no one takes offense to this, but as a black male, Black black people are having a minority voice in this country. So until white America, most white people in higher places are systematically are able to make a change, it's totally on their on their watch. The athletes are doing what they can, but it all comes back to someone having a major voice and the ability to change. Uh, as much as LeBron is given $100 million, LeBron is only going to be able to do so much. So it's, it's great to see that it's not just black America out there protesting. It's good to see all races and, and, and genders out there helping. But it's going to have to come from a, a, a trickle-down effect, top-down. So uh, I, I applaud everybody for doing what they need to do. But... You make a great point about athletes and, and their kind of stance on everything because at the end of the day, every little kid in America is going to want to go home and watch their favorite athlete play. And as a result, 
you know, that's going to be able to spark more interest in the movement. And people are going to say, hey, my favorite athlete is behind this. I'm going to be behind them with them. So I think that's where sports can be really powerful with this. Now, Coach, you've been awesome. I've got one last question before I let you run. I know you've got a big golf tournament today. I don't want to hold you up too much. And But the question involves at what point you realized in your career that your passion for strength and conditioning in athletics could really become a passion and, and be an actual professional career. So for you, at what point did you realize that you could really make a career in sports as a strength and conditioning coach? Um, probably at, after my first year, uh, 2003, when I started the company, uh, how fast it grew. I started out in a 1,500-square uh, facility, and within a year and a half, I had grown uh, out of that building, and I had to move, get out of my lease, and move into a 4,000 square foot. And to see that that many kids and parents trusted and believed uh, how I approached it, uh, I'm, I'm very, I'm very passionate about the kids. I'm, I'm in it for them. So I think at that point in 2000. I guess in 2004, halfway through, it really spawned to me that this is what I needed to be doing. I love coaching and being around kids. So this was just another avenue for me to be around kids, affect kids, and help them in life and sport. Well, Coach, you've had a decorated career, an incredible career, and I look forward to watching you continue to help out all and every athletes get to the level that they want to get at and i just wish you good luck in your continued to career and i also wish you good luck today on the on the links i hope you uh, you shoot very well today believe me i'll need it but i appreciate you spending time and and uh, even talking about the things that are going on in the world today that any way we can shed light and help the world become a better place um i'm all for it so thank you Absolutely, Coach. Anytime. I look forward to having you on another time. Whenever you've got a free moment, I'd love to have you back on. We can sit and chat and because this was great. I really enjoyed it. Anytime. And there he goes, Coach Eric Alexander, current strength and conditioning coach and co-owner as well as director for sports performance at Pinnacle Athletics. It was a great episode, another interview only. I'm going to keep doing some of these every now and again just to switch it up, just to make things a little bit different here and there every now and again. Again, folks, it was a great one. Episodes 1 through 22 are all out now on Apple and Spotify. Keep following and subscribing on both platforms to Ride in the Pine to keep staying up to date on new episodes, new content coming out weekly. Also, so keep following Riding the Pine on Twitter at Ride the Pine 20 RTP all capital and also on Instagram follow Riding the Pine at Riding underscore the underscore pine underscore both going to be much more active in the coming weeks. I'll be continuing to post more often with just anything that involves episodes, content, guests, and just anything in between that sounds fun and sports related. So again, folks, as always, I appreciate you all tuning in. And until next time on Riding the Pine, keep on sitting the bench with me.